Around Comics, Episode 67. Chicago, this is Around Comics, a roundtable discussing topics in and around the world of comics. I'm your host, Christopher Neesman, and I'm joined, as always, by my partners and the co-hosts of the show, Brian Salazar. And Tom Caters. Oh, and hi. <laughs> What's going on? In your format. And Tom Caters. I'm the only one who doesn't have some woman bossing him around now all the time. <laughs> what are you talking yeah, about? I'm a free spirit, guys. You had to go to Detroit last weekend because your woman told no, you to. I, never, I, I, never I had chose to go to, at the same yeah. time that she did to go with her. Simultaneously? Yeah, but what, we what, collaborated. what, is, the dictate, what is the dictate that has come down from uh, on high? Well, do whatever you want. Oh, what, a what, what do you have to do with <laughs> Do whatever you want. Oh, I have to get engaged. Oh! There is no counteroffer yet. So, in legal terms, we have no. Finalize. Yeah, well, well, welcome aboard, well, guys. In a, in a couple of minutes, we'll be talking with Steve Rude. But first, I'd like to let you know that this episode of Around Comics is sponsored by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades would like to welcome Steve Rude to the show and let all our listeners know that they have all four of the amazing hardcover Nexus archives discounted 35%. You can now follow Mike Barron and Steve Rude's groundbreaking sci-fi adventure for just $32.47 per volume. Remember that InStockTrades.com is your source for trade paperbacks, deluxe hardcovers, essentials, showcases, archives, absolute editions, omnibus editions, and more. All at great discounted prices. And all orders over $50 ship free. I own two of those Nexus hard hardcovers and plan on getting the rest probably soon, someday nice. soon. I don't know someday, when. Someday. Someday. So money. Cameron, look, look when for that order. The lottery. When yeah. you win the lottery. Yes. I'm going to only buy manga. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. You can buy, like, for 50 bucks, you can get, like, 90 volumes. Of manga? And I read none of it. It just all goes on my shelf. <laughs> all right, folks. Uh, Around Comics is recorded every Friday at 7 o'clock at Dark Tower <laughs> Comics and Collectibles, located at 4835 Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. If you're in the area, please drop by. We would love to meet you. I'm, I'm you sorry. Check out the 9 p.m. No, part. No, I'm Thanks, laughing. Fine. I'm sitting over here watching Hillary Barda <laughs> trying to work a computer, and it's like... It's like watching a squirrel <laughs> trying to. It's like Velociraptor hand. Sorry, Hillary. I just couldn't help. I couldn't help saying something. It was <laughs> oh, <laughs> love your work. <laughs> Come on, guys. I'm trying to beat up the porn. I thought he had five fingers on each hand, but he's sort of amazingly good inker for having one finger. Only, <laughs> only the second person to masturbate during the show. Oh, yeah, well. John All Byrne, right, but, first John one. John Byrne. <laughs> John, John, how could you tell? 
<laughs> John Byrne. Uh, I have right, a sixth anyway. sense. Anyway. All okay. right, folks, when you're here, please remember to ask about Dark Tower's pull list membership. It's truly one of the best you'll find anywhere. Dark Tower has a great selection of mainstream comics, independent comics, and trades, as well as statues and action figures. Come to Dark Tower Comics for all of your comics and collectible needs. And remember that your Around Comics experience isn't complete until you've read this week's Long Box of Love. Each Thursday episode of Around Comics has a wonderfully handcrafted webcomic from Brian Bowles. Check it out every Thursday at www.aroundcomics.com. Absolutely. Well, folks, tonight we are talking with Steve Rude. and the dude. Via, the dude. Give you a little background here. In 1982, Steve Rude became widely known in the comics world when he and writer Mike Barron created Nexus, an independent science fiction comic book with a large, diverse supporting cast. The stories were complex and thought-provoking because of their treatment of difficult themes related to justice, guilt, and addiction. Baron and Rude's Nexus stories garnered a large fan following and ran for 80 issues and seven short, almost yearly miniseries after the initial series ended. Steve Rude has won four Eisner Awards and one Kirby Award, as well as a Russ Manning Award. Rude recently penciled and wrote The Moth in 2004 while continuing to teach art classes and do commissioned work. Rude announced in 2006 the formation of Rude Dude Productions, a new publishing entity that will release new issues of Nexus and The Moth in 2007, as well as an anthology series. The new Nexus series will mark Rude's first work with Baron since the last Dark Horse Comics published issue. The new issue will be counted as number 99 and is scheduled for a July 2007 release. Now, let's talk with Steve Rude. Steve, how you doing? Um, as a matter of fact, I'm doing really good. I, I completed my my work for the day. Um, Pete is on its way. I've got a couple of gorgeous chicks over right now, and it's and the kids are quiet. <laughs> the life of a comic book artist. Yeah, so like a rock star, man. Nice. <laughs> well, that sounds great. You don't need to go, do you? No, I sure don't. I'm okay. staying right here. Okay, just let us know when the pizza gets there. We'll give you a break. <laughs> Well, Steve, uh, I, th I think the big announcement was back in November about the formation of Rude Dude Productions, and I guess we'll start there. Uh, can you let us know what Rude Dude Productions is and what you guys are aiming to accomplish? Well, um, initially, the, the 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 whole idea came about um, because uh, the moth got canceled. And the moth was so near and dear to me, and I, um, I, I knew in, in my heart that I had it. What I, what I told people is that, I, is that I had at least ten years of solid story material lined up for the moth. And when we got cut off after uh, five issues from Dark Horse, uh, we'd only just begun. And uh, I ended up uh, that happened around the time, uh, a little before the last San Diego convention in, in 2005, I guess, and um, uh, I, be, I began to search out uh, another publisher like anyone would, would do at that point, and after, after going through the process and, and the inevitable fiasco of uh, trying to find another publisher, I realized that all this was a bunch of silliness, and what I really had to do was think about um, what I really needed to do 
and that was to um, form my own thing, do things exactly the way I wanted them to do, and uh, basically um, hire the hire a crew of really good, loyal people that were in in comics for the same reason I was, which is to always have a good time and explore everything that your 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 creative views can take you and. Um, in fact, that's that's exactly who I have on board. All the people that uh, are working with me are uh, think identically to me in in that way. Well, I know uh, one of the one of the big announcements uh, from Rude Dude was was Nexus is coming back. The return of Nexus. We haven't we seen Nexus since I guess ninety seven. Um, yeah, and, that's right. And, and I know there was a lot of rumor and things going around about Nexus and why we hadn't seen a return of, of that character. Uh, with you and, and Mike Barron, um, can you let us know how how it came about that that Nexus is returning? Yeah, um, um, basically, you know, from the from the time it got canceled in '97, we we weren't at all reluctant to uh, sign a deal with another company. We just had to sign a deal with a, a, a company who was worth signing a deal in the first place, and that's that's where the problems came in. Um, none of them were offering anything that was considered in any way fair. And it was easy for me to drop these things. Baron is a little more commercial-minded about these things than I am, but fortunately, I was there to, to veto him at all at all at all times. <laughs> and uh, eventually, when the whole rude dude thing came about, initially it was simply a vehicle for the moth because I, because as I mentioned, I had ten more years of stories in my head uh, that Gary and I would want to do. And then it just popped in, into my head that, well, obviously this this I've been waiting forever. For the right time to bring back the Resurrect Nexus, and obviously there is no better time. So I got on the phone to Baron, and we talked about it, and um, it was pretty much a done deal. Um, I was I was expecting Baron to be what he was when I when I stopped, you know, working together with him on Nexus in '97. But in fact, I was in for a bit of a shock. His his writing style had changed quite a bit. Uh, at one point, we come we could not come to an agreement on what to do with a story. I was I was I wanted it to be one thing and he wanted it to be something else. Um, but just so the truth is known, Baron has always come around at the end and apologized for being so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Telling me that I was right all along to no one's surprise, especially mine. So eventually um, I had to bribe him into, into doing uh, give it a, give it another shot. And he miraculously came through the old Baron still still existed somewhere deep down. I just had to kind of suction it up with a with a with a, a toilet plunger. <laughs> and uh, eventually he did turn up something that was not not the greatest thing he's ever written, but it was certainly worthy to see where it would go. <laughs> and I, I know once I got Baron uh, I got his wheels turning, he especially working with me, we would eventually come to the point where we were when we left the book in ninety seven, which is kind of one mind, two bodies. And uh, so far, it's, it's it's worked out very well. And you guys really are picking up where you left off in '97. You're picking up at issue 99. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, for all these years, for some reason, I was under the impression that we ended with 90, uh, 98, and then I I, I had to uh, reacquaint myself with the reality, and I found that it was 99. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been good if it was like 96, so we could do a full run and end with 100. Um, that would have been that would have been proper, but uh, there's a lot of people scrounging in their boxes looking for 98. Like, <laughs> totally confused. Where did that book go? I was going to mention that um, 
I'm a huge fan of Nexus, and I was a little bit too young when it first came out, and it was one of those things I sort of discovered as I sort of went on reading as I got older. And I was wondering if you could just sort of give a quick description of what Nexus is all about and why someone who... It's, it's a great science fiction book and maybe why it separates itself from other science fiction-type stories. Well, honestly, I'm, I'm probably the, the last person you'd want to ask to explain the whys of it. Um, I, I literally never think about why it's popular or, or uh, the appeal of things. All, all I know is that it entertains me... Uh, Hugely, and um, it was it was a great world to live in for all those years. Like the moth, I also knew that um, that Nexus would have to come back at some point because, well, for crying out loud, we, we left you know the, the main heroine, Sunny Honey, Sunder Peel, pregnant for ten years, and um, there there just there's, was just so much more to tell. And I think um, you know I don't know why things work out the way they do in life. It's it's part just karmic fate, and it's and it's part Whatever, but you know, when things happen for a reason, you're normally able to tell the why of it with hindsight. There isn't enough distance yet for me, even as I'm drawing these new books, to really understand what that hindsight is going to teach me. But I normally seem to see a pattern, a reason, a beneficial reason why things happen the way the way they do. And I actually plan on uh, uh, finishing out my life, uh, and as and as. And as much as I'll be lucid in my my uh, my sixties or seventies uh, with these books here, the Moth Nexus and, and whatever we do for Rude Dude, let's hope it's a long run then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <heck>. yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a long run because there's so much more to yeah. talk about and, and to say. Well, I, I know you've talked about that quite a bit um, in in interviews that I've read and, and things. And, and one of the things you you've often said is that. Uh, when asked when Nexus was going to return, you said when we needed them the most. And I, I was wondering, is this the perfect time for Nexus to come back? Well, again, I think hindsight will tell me in a, in a bigger way that's that's possible for me to know at the moment. And I, I suspect it will. My life has always seemed to work in patterns like that. Looking back, I can see I can see a deliberate trail, a deliberate uh, something that seems to be working in my favor, you know, regardless of of. Uh, my own personal ignorance or my whatever at the moment. Uh, it almost seems as, as though life is looking out for me because I'm not smart enough to do it myself sometimes. <laughs> well, you know, looking back at the at the time that Nexus was coming out, you know, first comics really kind of stirred up the industry. It was, it, they came out with comics that, like, no one else was coming out with. You had uh, uh, American, American Flag, Flag and Badger, and Badger and Dark Star, and you know, what, what uh, was it like? Grimjack. Yeah, what was it like being a part of that first comics crew at that time? Well, I tell you, honestly, guys, it was it was actually uh, when we start. We actually started with Capital Comics, yeah, and that's, that's right. when it was the most absolute fun of all times. Because that's literally what I have cooking now uh, with Rude Dude. I have about five people on staff that are all getting paid on the back end, which is a huge financial burden off my back because they all believe in, in what I'm doing and what we're all doing so much. But it started with Capital, and that's when I that's when it was like a dream. I would just walk up to the office uh, at the Capitol, get a nice half-mile walk in from where I lived in my, my apartments back then, and I would go up, and uh, Rich Bruning would be there in the Sin Babe. I called her Sin Babe. She was the secretary. She hated that name. And then there was, uh, we eventually recruited uh, Corinne and uh, and uh, the other guy, I can't remember, but uh, 
it was just this cool group of people that just kind of hung out. Baron would go up there all the time and yell at people when he'd leave, and I'd go up there and drop stuff off. And uh, it was just a great situation. When I when we when we moved over to first, I remember things got a little more homogenized, and of course I was uh, by nature I'm resentful of any anything that's going to uh, take the, the the individual personality, anything that I wanted, anything that I could dream up. I could do with capital, but with first it was more it was more like fitting into a format. But I got used to it because I wasn't I wasn't as painted back then as I as I am now about things, which is which is good. Thank God, thank God we we uh, were not that way when we were young. <clears throat> so I kind of went with it, and um, uh, the '80s was a great time. It was just this incredibly cool time. Uh, not only was were comics exploding in a way that that the industry had never seen before and in, in that these, these people kind of came out of nowhere uh, wanting to publish and put out their own book. But the music was so great. I remember the 80s as being some of the coolest times for that entire decade of, of music was just uh, the neatest, like, disco spawned uh, new wave stuff with a great dance beat. I'd go to all these clubs with, you know, whatever girl I was eating at the time and or I'd, I'd go out with Barron sometimes to listen to stuff and it was just a really great time to be in your 20s a fantastic time madison's a great place to live in your 20s because i lived in madison for a while yeah we've got a we've got a badger here by the way (laughs) you got a badger yeah Yeah, i lived i I lived in madison for like six years oh okay i enjoyed it remember the halloween parties uh i i I got (laughs) tear gassed (laughs) (laughs) you got tear gassed I know it was. I saw a guy dressed up like George Washington kick in the window of a liquor store and steal <laughs> alcohol, and then a guy dressed up like Mister Rogers called me a cocksucker. <laughs> there you go. It was a great. I had a great time there. Wow, let's go. I, I had a more serious. Qu- people like that, you know. Hey, yeah. It's around with Exactly. Um, one of the things I really enjoyed about sort of the, all those. Uh, books that sort of started off at Capital Comics was sort of how how big everything was in those books. There were so many characters. There were so many locations. It just seemed like everything that happened in those books was on such a large scale. Was that sort of an interesting challenge as an artist? Well, so I've never seen, it, it, was, it was fun. Um, you know, there's, um, there's, a, there's a, an evolution that takes place in a, in a person uh, when they first start out that gradually gets to the middle of where you are in your life and then um, presumably the end um, that I find fascinating you know back then you just it was just so exciting to be doing this stuff that um, you were just working on, on the fumes of, of, of just the energy and the excitement of, of finally doing comic books because I love comic books more than anything on earth they were just the coolest thing and it was all due to my upbringing because I grew up in Kirby and Spider-Man and things like that and, and that was just the greatest time ever uh, to be reading comics, and then the seventies came along, and I got into Master of Kung Fu. Was a big Bruce Lee fan, Kung Fu TV show fan, and um, I was just uh, so excited to be part of that world back then. Um, the feeling that kind of you kind of felt as though, you, hey, I'm, I'm almost a peer with people at Marvel now, and I've we've got all these great letters from fans, and uh, and I always felt an obligation, uh, if if not inwardly, but to people that, that depended on you to always entertain them. So for some reason, I always had a strong obligation. I think Baron did too, because uh, uh, we, we knew the work 
had to have certain standards, and, and that was that. We just went about going about telling our stories. Uh, half the time, I was laughing when I do these things because the stories that Baron turned into were so funny. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing at these things. He would do these zany things with the characters, like bringing in the badger and stuff, and and this goofy sense of humor he had. So um, it was just it was just too much fun. Hello, I'm Kieran Gillen, the writer of Phonogram, and, well, just Phonogram. You're listening to Around Comics. It does bring up a question uh, that I had uh, in regards to inkers, and, and who is going yeah. to be inking uh, the new Nexus? Uh, are you going to be inking it, or is Gary going to be inking it, or someone else? Um, well, it's an interesting situation because, because, because none of us are getting paid up front. But these guys are, are only going to survive if they've got day jobs. Um, I know the colorist Glenn, it, it works as a, as a night watchman, which I, I can't imagine him doing since if I was a clerk, I'd, I'd run right over the guy. He's so <laughs> nice, you know. It's a nice church-going young man. And Gary uh, found work with Marvel, but the, the two guys he's working with, the two artists he's working with that he's inking over are such flakes that he never know when, he never knows when the work is going to get turned in. So fortunately, that's going to work to our advantage because he's got the entire first issue of Nexus at his board right now. Oh, great. And um, so Gary's going to, you know, this is this is the cool, one of the cool things about this whole thing is that these guys are going to have as much fun as I do. They just tell me what they want to do, um, and they can do it. Just like I'm going to be thinking of all these crazy, wild, wacky ideas that would that would honestly never be seen if I hadn't uh, taken charge here and just decided that I, I want I want my own I want my own bag here. I want I want uh, my own my own deal where I can do exactly what I want and uh, the only one that's stopping me from doing it is, is me. Going back to the to the moth and kind of that situation, it, there there are a lot of comics out there that need time and room to breathe, that they need more than five issues to, you know, develop a universe. I mean, that was one of the things about Nexus, is that it developed this huge, sprawling universe. And it doesn't sound like the Moth had time to do that. Do you feel that in the industry, you know, not even right now, but maybe, you know, forever, that people just don't give comics enough time to develop their, you know, sense? That, that could well be, but again, that's, that's another thing I'm taking out of my personal equation by starting my own company. As long as I can stay solvent and be smart about the business decisions, um, I know that all the creative ones are going to be the right ones. Well, with the uh, with the moth, I know you've talked before about that character and the, and the, the characters around the moth in the circus and, and how you've got a lot that you have planned for that. Can you give us any uh, sort of foresight into what, you know, where that character is going to go? Yeah, it, it, when, the, when the book canceled it literally felt as though I, I, I had barely even left the starting gate. I, this, this is kind of a weird feeling that creative people have internally that they that they know that they have so many great ideas in their head that it will simply be a, a crime against creativity and, and the business itself were, were something, something to be prematurely severed. And um, yeah, I can tell you a little bit. Let's see, there's, there's going to be this, this guy that looks like... Uh, uh, Antonio and uh, Antonio Banderas coming into the, <laughs> the the crew is a lion tamer, and uh, he's kind of on the outs with most people except for the women because he's a super charmer, and he starts to make a play for Sophie, who is kind of Jack's about to be pseudo girlfriend if if things go as planned with him, and uh, so, um, and he he gets jealous, and uh, Antonio.
know, knows about this, and there's a, there's this friction that develops between them, and ultimately ends up in this duel with swords. So think about Antonio in his, in his Zorro costume, you know, <laughs> uh, facing off against Jack. And Jack is a great character because he's, you know, he, there's a reason why he's the focus of the whole book. He's in, he's extraordinarily strong, mostly just due to the luck of the genes. And he's extremely physical, and his friends in the circus, I think, push him a lot farther than he might go on his own. This is his, you know, you, you always hear about the circus people being family. So he's got his family in there, particularly a guy named Melvin Strongarm, who's the, uh, the muscle guy, the strong man. And uh, he's the one that makes Jack keep up with his workouts and uh, keeps the variety of training going that he needs, not only for the circus as an acrobat, but for a guy that goes out in a costume and, and nails these uh, guys that have, that, are, that have jumped bail. So um, I don't know how, I, I, I think what's going to happen is, uh, well, I'm not sure. That's the fun part. <laughs> you know, there, we set up these themes, and uh, basically it's, at times it's literally the characters kind of, kind of uh, whispering in our ear as to what and how it should it should end but we know it can't be it can't be easy for them it's going to be hard and, and then it gets from there it gets harder and harder it never gets easier and easier until something finally blows up and there's your your the climax your story we're going to keep antonio around for a while but he's uh he's got a, he's got another side to him that uh that is uh gonna get jack pretty ticked off talking about the, the the character's evolution and that was one of the things that over the last couple of weeks i, I went back and was reading a lot of the, the nexus stuff and and um, was just simply amazed at how you had created you and mike had created such a, a amazing universe that nexus could travel in and you could take that story in any direction you possibly could imagine and and did in in directions that nobody imagined but was that something that you came up with initially? I mean, was that something that the two of you had, had sort of pre-thought out, or was it just a natural evolution of the story? Well, in the, in the beginning, you guys, um, it, was, it, was, it was all Baron. Baron had the concept. Uh, he had worked at all these dead-end jobs for so long, he was probably ready to blow a gasp with all the ideas that he wasn't able to release from his, his brain, um, strange as it is sometimes, mind being even stranger. But um, we, I remember we, we got together one time with this uh, this French restaurant, and you started, uh, this is back when uh, I think Nexus number three was about to come out, and he was just telling me the whole story of Nexus. So he'd obviously put a lot of thought into it. Back then, Barry could do no wrong. His stories were just so good. It was just this great, uh, great thing to have him come by every month with a new script, and I would um, I wouldn't let him leave until I, I read it because I wanted to make sure it was good enough, and it was always good enough. I would read it as, as someone who was a, a fan, you know, and just look at it and, and laugh, and you know, just have a good time with it. And then I would then I would just uh, you know, uh, once that was over, it was it was time to get the work and uh, and produce something that uh, wouldn't shame either one of us. I think it did that. <laughs> yeah, no question. Well, we're all big fans of, of the archives, and we actually had a question from our, our forum. Uh, Scott Cedarwin wants to know if Dark Horse will be continuing with the Nexus archives. Well, I, I've learned this about business uh, only recently because I'm so, I'm so non-business in my, my brain. It seems to be a big hole when it comes to something like that. But if they sell, they'll keep doing more. That's the bottom line. And I just got word that they are going to be doing another volume. Any any uh, any plans for for soft cover trades at all? Uh, I hope so. I know that 
rude dude's going to be doing those. Um, Great. <laughs> here's another remarkable thing about being in charge of something. Um, you don't have to wait for somebody to tell you what, it, what their next great idea is, is going to be because you already have one. And if it's whatever, whatever you can see, whatever you can think is going to be the most beneficial to the integral links that we that I have is a is a, a uh, is a publisher, uh, which is the retailers and diamond and so forth and the fans. I'm going to make sure that they get exactly what they want to make their life, as I call it, easier than they would than they would go through with some some bigger, higher overhead kind of company. I mean, they can literally reach me with a phone call. If they tell me what they want, I will do everything I can to make their day. It's an instant kind of a, a, a speed of thought kind of a thing. And we're always thinking about this stuff. It's it's just the right time in my life to be doing this. I, I, I've, I've been in the business long enough to, so that I, I know what I want. I know what's fun. I know what's going to creatively fulfill me. And the rest of the guys feel exactly the same way, way I do. Rather than continue the way most people do in life, which is just... Uh, doing work for hire for other companies, I'm gonna. I'm not going to go that route anymore. I'm, I'm simply going to take uh, what I know to be the best route I could ever imagine in life and just, uh, and just pursue it, make sure that I stay in business long enough so that uh, I, can, I can retire knowing that I fulfilled what I was absolutely put here for, namely the Moth and Nexus. Hearing you talk sort of about... Uh your beginnings with Capital Comics and sort of hearing your discussions about how you serve and enjoy the structure of Rude Dude. In your experience, uh, how has sort of the environment in comics changed for an indie company from when you started to now? Is there a huge difference? Is there more opportunity, less opportunity? I, I have no idea. <laughs> You'll I, find I, out. You're going to find <laughs> out, yeah. <laughs> I, I, would, I would just... The, the only person that I know is that there's a thousand more people wanting to do it now than there were in the 80s because it wasn't something... It had to be invented first. Right. And now there's literally dozens and dozens and maybe hundreds of independent books that are out there with all these really sincere people that love comics so much that they'll, they're willing to sacrifice almost anything to fulfill their, their longing, their dream, and their yearning to, to be a comic artist, even if it's not for... You know, Marvel working on the X-Men for crying out loud. It's just their own little thing. Um, I think it's a very healthy thing. I try to support these people any way I can. I try to... One of the things I do in San Diego is a lot of times I'm set up next to them, to that very group of people, these independent publishers next to my booth. And I'll, I like to go around and just uh, say hi, uh, ask them what they're doing, uh, ask them a few questions, and just kind of give them a, uh, not really a pep talk, but just uh, kind of a, a subtle congratulations for for having the courage to do to do what you're doing, because they probably there are probably people that have been rejected by a lot of the, the typical avenues that most people would want to uh, be a part of, and uh, and having having uh, failed that, they're they're still willing to to keep going and trying. That takes a lot of courage. Steve, as as you know, you're you're now more. Now, I don't want to say into your veteran years as a creator, but <laughs> your golden years. You're in your. Well, we got Hillary sitting next to us, so you know it's <laughs> not it's not that bad. <laughs> I'll go home and get inking. <laughs> but I mean, you're not a you're not a Marvel young gun anymore. Um, no, it, no, it there's, there's quite there's there's um I, I'm very very accepting of that. One of the reasons uh, is because of Jack Kirby. Mm -hmm. uh, knowing that Kirby, uh, and I didn't know this until but maybe five years ago, when he turned 50, he was doing the most, he was at his apex in life. Mm -hmm. Artistically, 
everything else. And when he did the New Gods, he was he was well into his early seven, uh, early fifties, uh, early to, to mid fifties. And I just turned fifty a couple days ago, so I'm I use it as a kind of a personal yardstick. Uh, using Jack as a personal yardstick of, of what can be. Do you feel any any sort of um, you know responsibility or if not responsibility, eagerness to, to to pass on a lot of what you've learned and and help a whole new generation of comic book artists kind of mature? Um, as a matter of fact, thanks for asking that. That's that's a, a very strong purpose um, that I feel inside myself, especially now the way comic books have changed so much that. Uh, I uh, I haven't had I haven't felt the need to read them in so long um, because of because of how they've changed over the years. They're just not fun to look at or read. Now, what I see when I look at a comic book cover is a lot of dark colors that I so dark that I can't even recognize what the heck is going on in the cover. Um, even if I wanted to find out in the first place, which I don't. Um, so I, I basically just have my my books have showed me what comic books are all about from the very early 60s to the 70s. Um, that's what uh, comic books were to me, and, and still are. And the fact that they've gone in such a different direction is, uh, is actually something that's, you know, it's painful to me in a way, but it's just, it's just not something that I'm interested in anymore, especially when uh, I think the 90s came about. That's when most of the changes happened with the image guys uh, um, have, having the... Uh, affectation in the business that they did. Um, I watched it with great curiosity, mostly because because of the fact that people were making millions of dollars, and everyone was getting a little crazy in the head about, about wanting to jump on that bandwagon. I'm really glad I wasn't a 20-year-old kid back then, because that would have really distorted my, my sense of what I was there in the first place to do with comics, and thank God for that. Um, so... What ha- I guess the way I think about things now is I have to really re- remain true to what I think comics are best at doing, especially reflective of the year that I was reading comics and found them to be the most entertaining. That's what I'm trying to perpetrate, carry on with Rude Dude. Well, that brings up uh, a question from one of our forum members, uh, Shane White. He had a few questions, but one of them uh, per- pertinent to this in particular. He said, um, since Andrew Loomis books are hard to get these days for cheap, have you considered doing updated anatomy books from the classical foundation that most schools are missing? Oh boy, I've had some, some real wacky people from uh, Watson Gupta walk up to me and, and ask me to do that very thing. And I said, look, um, let's make it easy on everyone here. Just reprint the damn Loomis books. <laughs> <laughs> They're out there. There's stuff already done. They're out there. And it, it, can't be, it can't be rocket science to find a way to you know, continue these books in print. Uh, but for some reason, just nobody is determined enough to break through these walls and put these books back in, in where they deserve to be in, in the world of uh, art, art instruction. Find the real thing because that's what it's all about, and that's what I learned from. And I couldn't, I couldn't be what I am without those Loomis books. Probably find them on the internet. They are available on the internet. You can get them on, on online illegally. But um, have you considered doing any type of? I, I know you worked with Gary Martin uh, on the on inking, the the uh, comic book inking. Um, but have you considered doing any type of instruction books or any any type of uh, other comic instruction? Well, in, in fact, um, I have had a book, uh, an art of book, in the in the works for the last, uh, uh, I guess, year and a half or so, with uh, a guy named John Flesky. And uh, I'll, I'll, this book is going to be 
I, I guess what you'd call a coffee table book. It's going to be well over 200 pages, and uh, it's going to cover every facet of what I am from beginning to present. And there's going to be a lot of parts in there that, that explain everything that I've learned about art so far in the typical, you know, to the point ways that I've learned and the ways that I wanted to learn from the very beginning just to straight answers on something that, that weren't, that weren't uh, convoluted uh, or, or uh, contradictory or overly complex. And uh, um, my whole life of, of my sketchbooks, my 25, 26, 27 sketchbooks, have basically been, been kind of um, a journey in which I've just tried to uh, distill everything down into uh, something where I had to be a teacher, I could explain to anyone uh, virtually in an afternoon. And then once I would explain it, it would be a matter of uh, having them uh, come over and just reinforce the basic ideas of art over and over and over until they were programmed in their brain enough so they could just fly with it on their own and do and be their own person after a while. So a lot of that's going to be in the book. Um, going back to uh, to Jack Kirby a little bit, I, I was reading uh, Nightmare in Blue uh, yesterday um, again, and... <laughs> It struck me as how much of, and you've talked before about how how much Kirby was an influence of, of yours. Yeah. But I never really noticed it as much as I ever did in that book for some reason. Was there something specific that you were trying to accomplish with that, or or was it just something that came out in in the book for whatever reason? Well, actually, it was it was fairly deliberate. Um, I'm, I'm sure you're referring to some of the big monsters that were found in the caverns. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Celestials. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what, what, you know, made me be so pronounced in my Kirby influence with these monsters, but I, I, I think just in the back of my head, uh, just just uh, to let it come out the way I, I, I don't know, I just thought the Kirby monsters were the coolest thing on earth, and, <laughs> and uh, just, just to take a shot at doing them without, without in any way stealing from him, because that, be, that would be so wrong to do that. Uh, just in Jack's memory alone, but just to see what comes out of me with all this Kirby influence, I've been indoctrinated into, into my style after all these years, and just have a good time. I I I, um, I, I just remember thinking, boy, this sure looks like Kirby. I hope I hope people can enjoy it as much as I had doing it, and not see it as a uh, you know something that got a little a little too far uh, in borrowing from him or, or usurping his style a little too much. Well, I was always more of a fan of Kirby's machines. I just always loved, like, in the Fantastic Four, where someone would walk into a room and there would just be this crazy machine that's bigger than what you... You know, if someone says, here's a machine to go into another dimension, that machine no. better look crazier than what you can draw, <laughs> because then it doesn't make any sense. And I always loved that when, you know... His machines look ones. like yeah. they actually worked. Yeah, or the monsters are... They're bad... They're, Bigger than they're what you would. They're draw. more monstrous yeah. than they're what more you monstrous imagine. Than what you yeah. would think. Well, hey, we 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 have another uh, uh, another forum question. This is from actually one of our favorite artists. This is uh, from Chris Somney, and he says his question to the dude. Uh, just just curious, what went into your decision to use more of a house style for your work at Marvel? Was it just uh, that these were your favorite interpretations of the characters, like Ramita's Spider, Spidey or Kirby's Thor, or was it more of a tip of the hat uh, to artists themselves? Uh, all the best to you and the entire Rude family, since uh, they're always so nice when I drool over your work at shows. Take care. That's great. Um, it's actually not uh, an, an homage in any way. Um, 
uh, it, it was pretty funny how the people at Marvel reacted to what I was doing because I had to think about, you know, all these people that were asking me, well, what's with this Kirby thing, you know, what's with Romita or whatever uh, in Spider-Man? And the reason that I, the permanent answer that I came up for all this was that I, I was imprinted very early on to, to know that that this was Spider-Man to me. That's what Spider-Man and looks like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and, and to, to, to draw him in the style that I that I that I, I knew him as being. In other words, it, it there wouldn't be much of a sense of reality of it being Spider-Man if it didn't reflect the Romita books that I grew up reading. I mean, that if it wasn't going to look like that, I, I don't know what I what I would do with it. Well, that's you know. Would you ever? I guess that's sort of interesting because that brings to mind when you're handed something that you don't create from scratch, how does that sort of affect you as an artist when you're given Spider-Man as opposed to you can draw Nexus and you can sort of just draw Nexus however you want. Is is there more of a, a challenge to having to draw Spider-Man? Or responsibility? And, yeah, it was, like, is it was that, fun. It was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm so that stupid. That Spider-Man story, I swear, was the funnest one I did of all those books. I mean, I, somehow, I because I was so familiar with the character... And the storyline that we are adapting from um, um, and progressing from, uh, it was just, just pure bloody fun. It was just, I couldn't get enough of it. I did the work fast. I loved the editor that I was working with, Ralph Macchio. He was, he was, he was so compliant with everything that I wanted. He never got in my way and told me, you know, how dare you try to copy Ramita or any of that kind of nonsense. To me, I was just bringing back the only Spider-Man that was ever real, and that's why it was so much fun. A challenge, absolutely, but that's part of the fun of it. I would ask you to tell your friends about the Around Comics podcast, but let's face it, your friends are a little bit on the two-dimensional side, aren't they? A couple more questions on Nexus, just because I'm, I'm such a huge <laughs> fan of it, uh, and i gotta, I got to ask you, um, one, are we going to see uh, the return of Badger at all? A long time ago, I decided, uh, when I started to... to take more part in, in the plots of Nexus. I was, after a certain period, I think, I think uh, I, I would say like the three quarters period, I started to just often have these, these ideas percolating in my head about story ideas. And I asked Baron, said, can I throw a few at you? He says, yeah, I can use all the help I can get. Uh, most of them came out of the Daily News, you know, <laughs> which isn't hard. <laughs> you want to find a lunatic to open up the newspaper. Um, so, uh, I decided at, at some point, I don't know when, it was a while ago, that there would be, there had to be a, one more appearance of the Badger. We had to do something completely zany to outdo ourselves from the first two times he appeared. And just, that would be, I just knew it had to happen one more time. So absolutely, he's going to come back when, when uh, he's needed most. <laughs> Sal well, smiling gigantic. Sal, Sal may be the biggest Badger fan I'm, I'm, in the world. I'm a huge Badger fan. In my, over the last year, I've I've uh, I've, I've had the opportunity to meet both uh, Bill Reinhold and Mike Norton, and gotten Badger pages from both of them. So it's it's uh, very good to hear that Badger will return. I'm, uh, I'm, Sal's crying. It's going to get all over I'm, the computer. I'm a little emotional. He's a little teared up now. The um, back, Badger's coming back, ones. baby. Shut up, Larry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta tell you, what, what, uh, I mean, of all the, of all the stories I've done of Baron for Nexus, uh, when I was when I did those Badger stories, I was I was almost in hysterics. The guy is so loony. Um, in his only, you know, in the weirdest thing that I remember about those, those 
those appearances of ba- Badger and Nexus, people would write in and say, how come, how come the Badger isn't as funny as a, in, a, in, a, in his own book? And I, <laughs> I thought, well, I don't know. I think he's just this perfect supporting character to be sandwiched in between Nexus and Fred, as I call him, or Judah. Yeah. You know, these, these three guys getting together was like this, <laughs> was like this, this moment of like nonstop serious hilarity um, that I, I just, I couldn't stop. You know, I had to come up for air. I was laughing, laughing so hard. That's awesome. The great thing about the Badger is that he's only like one degree separated from 99% of superheroes. Like, he's he's not really, he's crazy, but he's not that, that much more crazier than someone who dresses Wolverine up like, yeah, or, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like Spider-Man, you yeah. know, like, this is the very thin line. Well, I have, I, you know, I, I, I kind of can see that because he did seem to fit in so well with those two characters, and it was just that world, it was like, it wasn't, it wasn't strange for him to just pop up and... For them, for them to completely accept him, because that was the world you guys created. It was anything could could happen, anything goes, and and uh, and he fit in, you know. And in some instances, he even sort of, you know, brought some level of sanity to it. If, if that's, wow. you know, I mean, if that's not too strange to say, but when they had to take on the philosophical challenge yeah. right there in that big world. That's a ball. The bowl shape. The bowl shape. Anyway, okay, all right. Now enough about <laughs> the nerdy. Um, the bad yeah, nerdy. Well, yeah, we, we got to stop talking about badger because <laughs> Sal go Yeah, on. I'll just turn into a complete <laughs> geek here. Um, speaking of of hilarious stuff, what about the uh, clone zone? Are we our clone zone? Are we going to see any uh, any more sleazebag production vids or uh, or any well, more? I know he's going to appear. I know. He, I'm sure the Baron's going to want to bring him back. And I, I never had a really hard time with him in the beginning until I decided to, to turn him into Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> so I got a lot of pictures of Rodney Dangerfield and literally tried to adapt a lizard face for Rodney. And that's when I stopped despising the character because I thought he was trying to be, he was trying too hard to be funny. And um, I had to talk with Baron more about Clone Zone because once, once, he, once we turned him into Rodney, he started to become uh, more bearable for me. <laughs> I can see that. Well, well, you going like back to school? That's a great movie. <laughs> have you, have you, yeah, yeah, back to school. That was actually filmed in Madison. I know. <laughs> have you, have you no heard that is. they're going to film a remake of Back to School? Oh, come oh, on. Suntress. Suntress. That's probably not a good idea. Not at all. They're, they're doing a, yeah, a remake yeah. of Who, Back to School. Ben Stiller is going to be... Yes, they are. Who's, they're also who's, making a remake of Revenge of the Nerds. Why? Oh, that's bad. All right. Oh, oh that's awful. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> we've got uh, we've got another question from the form. This is from Quan, who is one of our listeners in Bangkok, and oh, she. Quan is a good friend of mine. She's a real sweetheart. Oh, okay. Well, that, that well, that makes, this question that, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. we had no idea what these questions meant, but we're like, all right, she must know something we don't. Know. Yeah, we were kind of a little weirded out by this. <laughs> but uh, uh, her first question is, uh, what does Bruce Lee and Thailand have to do with changing his life? And her second question is, what is the best time to call him during the day? Oh boy, that figures. Yeah, she called me at eleven o'clock one night and I chewed her out. Um, <laughs> She, she must be on Thailand time still, even though she's been in the U.S. forever now. There's no excuse. Um, let's see. Okay. Uh, this, this is going back to a question that I that I nailed her with in San Diego one year. Um, me being the Bruce Lee fan that I am and still am, just almost a fanatic. I think there's parallels in my own development. Um, at least I'd like to think anyway. Um, I, she's from Thailand, and I said, look... Um, 
I'm sure you're familiar with the connection that Bruce Lee has with Thailand in a little little town called uh, uh, Pat Chong. And I don't, I don't know if I was pronouncing it right. Uh, but every time I brought it up to a Thailander, he looked at me like I was nuts. But um, that was where Bruce Lee filmed his first movie, uh, The Big Boss, or as it's known here, Fist of Fury. In, in 1970, uh, in 1970, I think. And it's notable because uh, here he was about to get, Bruce was, was about to achieve the thing he had he had dreamed about forever in this, in this tiny, miserable little cockroach-laden town in, in, in Thailand that was as poor as you can imagine. And he was there with a director that he fought with a lot. Um, he had a temperament like mine. He didn't like, he didn't like, did not like working with people that he perceived as being someone who didn't care about what they were doing. And that's one of my biggest pet peeves, and that's why I'm so happy I have the crew that I have. They're so devoted to uh, absolutely everything that, that it's almost like we're, we're of one mind of what, of what, our, what we have to accomplish with this this rude dude outfit here. But that's where he made, that's where his, his jump into stardom officially began. Uh, the dream that he always had for his life, let the world know about gung uh, fu, in the, in the way that he wanted to represent it, and also just to be a star, because he thought he was this magnanimous guy that once the world saw what he could do, he would he would be a star. And in fact, it was funny because uh, when I saw that, when I when all of us saw his his movie in the theaters for the first time, uh, first off, the ads were great. I, I can't talk enough about Bruce Lee. The ads were so cool. <laughs> it was like this ultimate perfect aimed at a high school type of a mind ad campaign that you've ever imagined. Uh, uh, how did it go? It, it, it went like, uh, you know, uh, Bruce Lee, the master of karate and kung fu, will give us, give the biggest kick of your life. He, he fights dogs, the most ruthless hood, most gorgeous of women. And <laughs> something like that. It was, it was just everything you ever wanted to do in your life is be a guy like Bruce Lee. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I've always wanted to fight a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and they would show these, these dogs jumping at him and stuff. He's, he's, um, he's a pack dog. And I, the movie just completely did a number in my head that was, that was, I can't even think of the word. It just, it just changed everything about me forever. I was just a fanatic about this guy. And uh, he's like, I probably shouldn't get into his death because to this day it makes me sad. There was a Bruce Lee convention that took place in uh, Burbank a couple of years ago, put on by the uh, guy who was it. It was the uh, Creation Con people, Adam, what's his name? Real nice guy. And it was a three-day convention. It was one of the most professionally put together things I've ever seen in my life. Just phenomenal production. And I remember standing around with, with, with a bunch of guys. Actually, there were three, three black guys. Uh, all related to the comic business and all big Bruce Lee fans. And I, I was standing around these guys. These, all these guys were huge. I'm 6'5", and these guys were, were damn near my height. <laughs> so these huge guys were sitting around, standing around, reminiscing about our, our high school days when, when Fist of Fury came out. And I looked at these guys, and I said, uh, I wanted to get a serious question without without all the, you know, the usual trite banter that, that happens when people get together. So I said, I want to ask you guys if you ever got over him dying, and there was like this moment, and every one of them looked at me and said, no, and that's the way it is, we felt like, uh, we felt like it was a combination of our, of our, our dad, uh, our favorite superhero, 
and anyone else that we looked at in life, whether it be fiction or, or, or nonfiction, and to have them just taken away, never to be seen again. We were just, it was, so, it was such a surreal and unreal experience to have him die when he did uh, to us. It, was, it just caused in, incalculable grief that uh, we, if we think about it now, we get sad. And always will. That's how much this guy meant to our lives. That's how entertaining he was. That's how innovative he was. That's how special this guy was to us. So there you go, Quan. Yeah, your answer. Hey, Quan, how's that? <laughs> All right, well, Steve, let's uh, wrap up with uh, a couple questions about the future of Rude Dude Productions. Uh, everybody here on the panel, of course, is excited about the return of the moth and Nexus. Uh, what's your production schedule and release schedule look like for both of those series? Well, um, fortunately, I, I have a pretty sh- uh, shrewd business partner in the form of uh, Princess Gino Ginelli, also known as my wife, <laughs> um, real name Janelle, Janelle Phillips. And uh, she has uh, um, composed a, 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 a rather detailed uh, itinerary for for all the all the people involved in Rude Dude. And uh, um, uh, I basically just do what she tells me to do at the time, and she makes me aware of uh, you need to have this done at this time. Usually, I blow the deadline, but I'm uh, I'm working double shifts now, so I'm hoping. Uh, I'm hoping to get into the groove of things and really just start producing, producing, producing like I did when I was in my 20s. But the, the formal, release, formal release date on the first actual Rude Dude uh, product will be for free comic book day. And that's going to be a Nexus teaser issue. And it's going to be called uh, kind of a subheading of, of the official title of the book. We're going to call it Nexus is the Greatest Hit, and it's going to be a warm-up all the people who know and don't know about Nexus, and it's gonna, it was, it was conceived by me. Um, it's amazing how, how fun and easy these ideas come when you're in charge of something. Um, it was just a natural idea to, uh, to kind of cushion and ramp up people for the eventual release of Nexus 99. And uh, I think the first issue of Nexus will be is slated for uh, right around the, a few weeks before the next San Diego con this okay. summer, Great. which is going to be in July, I think. So that's going to be that's going to be the first time, other than the free comic book day issue, which which is it's basically a bunch of reprints. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a composite of of all all the, it was it was to re- remind people of all the memories that uh, we've had throughout our uh, our almost hundred issue run on Nexus, and just get them thinking about the whole thing again, get them warmed up. That's what I would have. Uh, that's what I would have wanted if Kirby could suddenly become resurrected and have his skills from the 1960s and continue with uh, a book he's been doing or do something new or actually the new guy would be the thing I'd want him to continue. And and then we'll just uh, we'll start off with um, with uh, issue 99 and hundreds uh, after that. That's going to be. Or they're going to be monthly. We're going to work so far ahead of time that they're going to come out monthly. And so every month there'll be a new issue of Nexus. Uh, we, we're not. Baron has already gotten the scripts written. He's a very fast and, and very professional. He's already got all the scripts written for the, uh, the four issues, and that's how we're going to do them in four issue increments with the, with the Moth and Nexus. Um, and I think the the, uh, the plan is going to be something like this: we're going to put out Nexus first, then we're going to go into the anthology, which which uh, uh, we've already decided on 
that we're going to call Amazing Dude Tales. <laughs> and that's going to be um, an anthology, which is something of a bad word I found in the industry because every time you mention the name anthology, they say, anthologies don't sell. <laughs> no, well, this one's going to sell because it's going to be so much fun. And uh, if, there's, if there's some problem with the word anthology, you're not even going to think about the word as you're reading this book because it's going to be so much fun. It's literally every crazy, wacky, serious idea that I've ever had is going to be put into one oversized uh, 60, 64-page book. And we've got some celebrity authors to entice people um, in ways in ways that uh, uh, traditionalists would never think about uh, entering this particular arena. We're going to have Paul Wilson. Yes, Paul Wilson, who's uh, a renowned novelist, best known for his, uh, his Jack the Repairman novels. Going to be contributing an eight-page story. I just, I just uh, got on the phone with him today and talked about. I think we finally got the idea um, about what we're going to do together. It had to be something really special, really something really unique, and mostly something really exciting to read. I think so. I think we've nailed that. Um, another thing that's going to be in the anthology is going to be we're going to be write romance comics. You know, the, the books that sold millions back in the fifties, and no one has really taken a real stab at since. Um, the fact is, romance occurs in every book there is nowadays. It's just not a featured thing, and in that it's called romance comics anymore. But the romance pervades every 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 story and every every comic that's ever been done because it's so, so much of a part of the situational things we put uh, our characters through. So that's going to be a lot of fun. That was imagine how easy it is. You just think about the idea, um, and you can, you can just do it. There's no editorial interference. There's no committees to go through. There's no focus groups. There's no nonsense. It's just this is what I want to do. I think it'll be a great idea. If ever if there was a, there was someone who thinks he can succeed with such an outdated idea that no one ever will ever take a chance on again, it's probably me. <laughs> um, and then there'll be um, a bunch of other goodies that are that are going to be part of things. Baron and I have a, a character named Origami who we couldn't sell to anyone. Uh, Gary and I are going to start uh, stories with a silencer who is another. Uh, one of the trading card characters that I invented back in 1993 with the Moth. So he's going to come about in his own stories, and Gary has already written a story for it. It's brilliant. Um, I just hope I can survive all this work, because um, I guess I'm going to be the only artist in all this stuff. <laughs> well, wow. Jeez. thinks I can't do it. He's, he's already making bets that I'll drop and be in, in, a, in an asylum by the by the end of the first issue. But... Uh, uh, Put your faith in me. I, I'm ready to try it, if nothing else. I think you sound too stubborn to, to not <laughs> not pull it off. Uh, well, well, I have all these different styles. You know, I really I really have uh, my training so complete. I, you know, you see me doing this Charles Dana Gibson style. I think that's going to be uh, in the Paul. I'm going to use that for the Paul Wilson thing, the romance thing. I don't know what what kind of style I'm going to pull off for that, but that's that's part of what I had in the back of my on my mind all along. Romita. Um, Romita. Like John Romita. Yeah, John Romita. John Romita <laughs> style, I think. That's, that's, that, he did yeah, a lot exactly. of... Maybe simplify. I don't know. I don't, I'm not quite sure how it's going to go, but uh, I, when I when I need to know, um, it'll come out. Well, it sounds like 2007 and definitely going into 2008 are going to be exciting years for Steve Rude and Rude Dude Productions. Uh, Steve, thank you so much for spending part of your evening with us. Uh, best of luck in the coming year. And like I said earlier, we are really looking forward to everything that is coming out. My, 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 my purpose and my intent of everything that I do in life is to entertain the reader as much as myself. And I, I never let myself down, so I'm hoping... Uh, 
the readers will feel likewise. Well, I'm sure I'm sure it's going to be great work because you never put out anything bad at this point. So track record's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. No well, kidding. hopefully hopefully we can have you back on and talk about uh, Nexus and the Moth and everything else a little bit later in 2007. Yeah, we'll see, we'll, we'll we'll come back get together and see how I'm doing with the whole thing. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Steve, thank you so much, and you have uh, a wonderful rest of your evening. Happy birthday, by the way. Yes, happy belated birthday. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> a pleasure, you guys. And a big thanks to Mr. Steve Rude. Thank you, everybody here on the panel. Is definitely looking forward to the relaunch of Nexus. And no the question. Mm-hmm. And the return of Badger. Yes, One I'm last very time, excited man. about yeah. the return of Badger. I, I really hope. they better not kill him. Who's doing no, he's going to show up in Nexus. Steve, Steve actually said, no. Steve said that the Badger would come back. When well, we yeah, him he had some ideas for Badger. We're not sure when, but it sounded like so, you finally you're he's the payoff back. for the fact that you show up every week dressed as the Badger. <laughs> finally, finally. Hey, I knew sooner or later. The denouement to that that great setup every week for an entire year. I don't know what it's about the Badgers. It was just always that uh, something about that character because it it was. I liked it was for his for his took place in Madison. Well, you had that sure. It was local, and I I, you know ah damn it. You know what I forgot to mention to him is Hmm. that he's the reason that I every once in a while will go and buy a six pack of point beer. Oh, because yeah, of yeah. Badger. Yeah. Because, because yeah. every once in a while, I oh, will do that. Oh, it's a Midwestern because, thing. But uh, I don't know. It, it, to me, it was like, it was almost a parody comic. And so I always thought it, Badger was just making fun of Wolverine or the Punisher. And those, bit, yeah. like, over-the-top... Well, that too, Mental and illness. people is, from is Madison. Is Hillary still over there trying to type that first sentence? You know what? you're in line. Like we said earlier, he's not that... Far removed, right? From, right. I mean, like Wolverine's a psychopath. Yeah, exactly. That's you know, right. like that's it's, what it is. It was. A, it was a nice. And by all the right, way, enough tidbit. Bad, good lord, enough bad. Tidbit. Never, uh. Point beer is the old, old style recipe back in the day. Really? Yes. Really. Old no style changed like recipes at, <clears throat> at one point back in well, the day. Well, interestingly enough, I, there's a new beer out that uses the old, old style recipe. I can't think of what it's called now, but I know it exists. I was at. Well, I don't want to tell you where I was at. But I was turned on to this like cheap ass. What the fuck club was, was yeah, what the no, fuck you tell me? No, it, it just would get weird. I don't want to get into it. But, uh, uh, anyway, uh, but there's a new. I can't think of the name, but there's another beer out that uses the old, the old, uh, old point which was fantastic. Too. Old old style was was a really good. Point taste. used to be, and now points different from that even. So Is the it? Old, yeah. Point got bought out, babe. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Years, years. <laughs> Welcome to Beercast. <laughs> we used to drive up to buy it because you could only get it within yeah. a certain area. They wouldn't just drink right, it. Just like right. New Glaris Spotted Cow, which is one of my favorite like beers. If anyone in Wisconsin. You know, people would bring it in at parties. Well, wasn't that Coors, too? That was Smokey and the Bandit, man. <laughs> you couldn't get. Yeah, exactly. You couldn't get Coors. Did, no, no, All right. no. Did you ever hear about Greasy Dick Beer in the St. Louis area? <laughs> no, oh, I swear to God, I don't think I've heard of that one. Yeah, greasy Dick uh, Beer. I, no one's ever heard of that. Was that like a Was that like an old guy in a tunnel asking you to come down and taste his Greasy <laughs> Dick? Like to have some Greasy Shazam Dick. Shazam has turned into the running joke here, hasn't yes, it? Yes, yes. Yeah, and put some head on it. Yeah. Oh, that's Hillary right. Yeah. Hillary's the professional comedian. The no. professional. Speaking right, of Greasy comedy. Dick, it's the year of Alan Moore. Oh, oh Tom. What? I like can't, Alan Moore. Hey, no, 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 no. Do, I trust me, Tom. Do not speak badly of Alan I'm Moore. Alan, you said that. People get upset. 
and I love Alan Moore. I I said some things get, about Alan last well, week. If there's one thing you can say about Alan: his dick is not greasy. <laughs> <laughs> there's one in his in his all his uh, it's long scripts. It's always written very small at the bottom. <laughs> no greasy, no greasy more. dick. <laughs> no GD. No GD. No. Right. What does um, no GD mean? I thought it was no, no goddamn. Um, oh god. Okay. Yes. The the year of Alan Moore. If you folks haven't heard about it already, on uh, if you check out the forum at around. Can Comics. I make a caveat to everything that I've ever said about Alan Moore? Yes. Please, just for anyone that he's got, your favorite writer. He is. Of all he time. is my favorite writer of all time. I think the man is a genius, and in all seriousness, he has done probably the greatest comic book work ever. In my opinion, just like except how, for the whole splash brand against stuff. But occasionally, well, there was that. I mean, but occasionally, you know, everybody has that. Occasionally, Alan can be full of shit, <laughs> just like anyone else on the planet. That's all I want to say. Just well, like a, just not a greasy dick. No, <laughs> no gre- never. I never said he had a greasy dick. So we're Wait, reading okay. Watchmen this month. Yes. Mm, yeah. And a uh, complete ballad of Halo Jones. Yeah. Um, next month, ne- does next, anybody next month have is, that? Uh, anyone, that? Anyone, no, I've got it in order. order. I've okay. got it in order. Uh, and then uh, next month is uh, V for Vendetta and Skiz. But speaking of The Watchmen, we have a new <clears throat> contest here at Around Comics. Yes. Uh, Tom, why don't you tell them about the contest and the origins of said contest? I will read this strictly from the script, which is why I will be speaking in the third person. Who watches the caters? More importantly, who watches Tom when he orders things online? Apparently no one, including Tom. He ordered two copies of Absolute Watchmen after a long day of drinking and watching football. True story. I was watching the Packers. I came home and ordered it. Stupid instead, Packers. Yeah. Instead of returning... What? Stupid Badgers? Packers. Oh, okay. Badgers aren't stupid. They won 12 games, most ever. <laughs> Uh, instead of returning it, he is going to reward a lucky, li- lucky listener with a copy of Absolute Watchmen. Yes, even foreigners can win this. <laughs> Tom is essentially lazy. Thank goodness. He knows why Watchmen is influential, but would like you to explain it to him as well. All he wants is a paragraph showing a theme explored in Watchmen that is also explored in a current favorite book of yours. Send the entry to tom at aroundcomics.com. Along with the paragraph, please include your full name and email address, one entry per person, Creativity won't win you the prize, but we guarantee it will get read on the show if we find it interesting. We will ship it internationally, so bring the thunder, Australia. We're calling you out. No Tom more. reserves the right to reject your entry if he doesn't think you put any thought into it. So please know Avengers is about fighting, and so is Watchmen. He's lazy, but demands intellectual excellence. All entries must be received by January 31st, 2006. One entry per person. I, I'm just glad that you read that in the third person, because finally people get get a taste of what we put up with on a daily basis, because Tom <laughs> always talks. Tom's, mic, the- Tom's mic's hot. <laughs> yeah, that's all we hear. Getting a lot of feedback Tom wants Tom's you to monitor. get him a beer. Now, yeah. Chris. Tom's getting a lot of feedback in his monitor. Uh, well, that's a great, great prize and a great contest, Tom. And the uh, art looks beautiful. Tom, I've been reading Tom, it from get, there, get so. drunk more often around Christmas. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, Sal, I ordered two Lexuses. Shop around comics. I just added a bunch of new stuff to the uh, the store to around comics. I did a, a little spotlight section. We have a bunch of Gene Colan stuff. Great. A bunch of uh, Steve Rude stuff. Uh, a bunch of other stuff. There's Nexus. <laughs> There's yeah. all the Nexus archives yeah. as well as some other other uh, Steve. But for Baron. this month, you want to buy them from InStockTrades.com. Oh, sorry. Yes, <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. Cameron. Buy them from InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades.com. Um, <laughs> and a bunch of other stuff on there too. So Our tools. God yeah, damn it. nice going, Tom. <laughs> and buy uh, uh, Absolute New Frontier there also. Fifty-two dollars. It's awesome. And it's worth it every is. single penny. It. I, I, you know, last week, and I, I, I told this to Chris. They smell great. 
Last week, you know, we did the whole 2006, our favorite books and everything. And we didn't really have a category for, like, collection or... But I think in 2006, new the the absolute new frontier was my favorite book that I read all at, all of last year. It was just packaging the, overall, the slipcase, oh, everything. It's, it's, it's gorgeous to me. And I know people probably argue about this. To me, well, maybe the absolute crisis. Those two to me are like the two best packaged. <clears throat> they have collected. Well, the absolute Sandman's pretty nice. Yeah, too. Well, but. But uh, yeah, I, I think is, is just it water the, resistant for your tears? Oh, 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 Tom, Tom, you just have to pick on those poor. Hillary's Hillary showing me uh, uh, Eric Powell's uh, Christmas card, so that he sent out. Oh, yeah, it's, it's it's good stuff. Oh no, it's sacrilegious. Uh, it's a minor, but yeah, you, you can, yeah, yes, yeah, much goon-like humor. All right. Um, Guys, uh, there's a few ways to spread the around comics love. Uh, first like way, herpes. <laughs> you can uh, you take part of our. If you're pregnant and you get it, your baby will be blind. <laughs> no, no more gonorrhea jokes. God, Tom. We have the uh, new infected condoms around comics it. condoms. You can take part of our listener Catch LCS challenge. It's very easy on uh, just by any page of the Around Comics web- website. You can click <clears throat> on the LCS challenge, download our flyer, ask. Ever so kindly, your LCS manager or owner, if they would display our flyer in their store. If they do so, we will mention both you and the store on the show and provide a link to the store at our site. Uh, it's that easy. A couple other ways you can I got help a new, us out. I got a new challenge, Around Comics Challenge. Worst uh-huh. flyer the first, ever. The first person that, that gets an Around Comics tattoo, <laughs> a real, oh, it has to be oh a real God. Around Comics tattoo, I will, I will send you a... Conan number one and a Peter Parker Spectacular Spider-Man number one. Damn. Both of those books, I mean, that's a retail value of I don't know, a couple hundred dollars. I'll be back in twenty. It has minutes. to be a re- no. You can't oh. win. You can't it has to. It has to be a real. I can't wait. To around comics <laughs> tattoo, <laughs> and yeah, well, that, that's Jesus Christ. <laughs> but and it has to be at least. Uh, I might get three n- inches in diameter. I might get nauseous if I see it. <laughs> like, oh God, We're gonna have to review this one. Summer. All right, folks. Oh, and those gonna... are from my personal collection. Yes, it's like when are. I I've paid, seen them. I paid a vegetarian friend twenty dollars to eat a piece of bacon when she was very poor. <laughs> <laughs> when you were in college, <laughs> did she do it? Yeah, I gave her the twenty dollars. I think there's got to be some crazy bastard out there that'll do it just for to do yeah. it, just oh, to say. Good but if you don't yeah. want to make that sort of commitment, what else can you do? <laughs> you, you, can, you, can, you can give us a dig at dig.com. Very easy. Just go to dig.com, look up around comics, and give us a dig. Uh, you can also become our virtual friends at Comic Space. That's www.comicspace.com slash around comics. I should mention the other guy that has the Takitani uh, has a website called criticalmess.net, mm-hmm. and he said he screamed like a girl when I mentioned it, so I imagine he's having some sort of <laughs> full-on... Yeah, or get, <laughs> go get some wipes. For All your I know computer. is that, that so far with Comic Space, mm-hmm. like the only thing that happens on Comic Space, or the hey, most common hi. thing, How you doing? is Tom sending me messages <laughs> yeah. to uh, to our around comics, sending me notes. It's, it's just like I, I, he said, "Hey, I, how you doing, Big Kev?" <laughs> to me earlier this week, the <laughs> best time I've ever had. Oh, good lord! Uh, and and finally, my favorite, the iTunes review. If you go to the iTunes Music Store, look up Around oh. Comics, drop us a review. Uh, please be as cool as Andy Parks, if that were even possible. Check out uh, all the great things at the Around Comic 
dot com has to offer. It's your source <laughs> for the best. And well, you wrote it that way. Check out all the great things that. <laughs> reviews and opinions. While you're there, please take a minute to fill out our listener survey. It lets us know who we're talking to and how we can make Around Comics a better show. Yeah. <laughs> we are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. The CPN is a collection of some of the best comic book podcasts on the net. You can learn more about the network and find more great podcasts at comicspodcast.com. Just so everyone is aware, we post the next week's topic on Tuesdays at our forum at www.aroundcomics.com. We'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. Yes, Sal, Tom, Steve Rude, Hillary Varda. Everyone, thank you so much. Have a fantastic couple days. We'll be back uh, again on on Monday. No, this is the Thursday episode. It's a time warp, Tom. Damn it, Tom. We'll be back again next Monday with another full-length episode. In the meantime... We'll be everywhere in and and around around fighting dogs. (laughs) If you would like to suggest a topic, send us your comments, or are interested in becoming a panel member, Email us at info at aroundcomics.com or visit the Contact Us section of our website. Music for the show provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Views expressed in the interviews or by guests of the show are solely those of the individuals expressing them and do not reflect the opinions of Around Comics. Thank you for listening today, and remember to join us next time when the panel will change, but our mission will stay the same, bringing you the very best news, reviews, and opinions in and around comics. Around Comics is a Pipe Dream production. Copyright 2006. All rights reserved. Love you, baby. Yeah. Why you got my love and love?